What'd you do this time? I was just looking at the, the football lineups that I have built and realized that I had accidentally selected the uh, NBA slate. I actually just did the exact same thing. I was looking at NBA stuff. I was like, why am I, why did I pull up NBA stuff? What's next? You're going to have the same shirt on? Yeah, that'd be crazy. What is happening, everybody? It is Saturday afternoon. I know the last couple of weeks, Neil Orfield and I, what do we do? We ended up doing Saturday Live Before Lock shows because there was, you know, Saturday slates, but that's not really what we have today. There is a one-off Saturday game. We're going to be covering the main slate on Sunday again, and I think I should do his favors. You come in, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We are sponsored by DraftKings Rainmakers. If you guys haven't checked out Rainmakers, claim your free starters pack by clicking on the link below. But uh, yeah, Neil, it's been a couple of weeks since we did the uh, normal tournament strategy show that you and I do. And this is what I consider to be the last real week of the NFL DFS season because, you know, week 18 has a whole bunch of weirdness to it. And I really do love the playoff slates, but it's, it's a totally different animal than playing, you know, some of the regular season slates where you've got, you know, this week, 13 games to choose from sometimes other, you know, the the way the playoffs are broken up this year, it's going to be like Saturday games, Sunday games, Monday games. It's going to be much more spread out. So uh, this is really our last chance to be playing any kind of normal NFL slate, but don't worry, for the playoffs, we are going to have everything covered here on Stokast. And there actually is really good value signing up at our tools for the playoffs because of the way the games are spread out. Like, you're getting so many different slates and so many different showdowns, all which are covered in the Sims tool and the data and all of that. But, Neil, what is your mindset heading into a 13-game Week 17 slate? Uh, just real disappointment to not have a single team in a championship anywhere that I can cheer for. Um, but no, it, it is a really fun slate, to be honest. Just, just looking at all the games on the slate, there are some massive totals. Like we, we've had some weeks recently where we don't, where we have like one or two games that has a high total and everything else is like, you know, 42 or, or lower. We have a lot of teams with really high implied totals this week. So uh, it should be, should be a really fun slate uh, figuring out which of those teams we want to play. Yeah, and we do have some people here who are asking us. They want us to talk about the Lions-Cowboys game. How about this? At the end, after Neil and I do the normal show where we go through everything, we'll have, uh, Mike, I'm giving you an assignment. At the end of the show, after we finish talking about the Week 17 slate, we'll run a sim for tonight's slate, and then we'll just pull it up on screen. We'll look at some of the results. I think that's a good way to cover it because we're not going to be doing like a full hour on tonight's game. But we, we could certainly hit on it at the end, especially if that is something that you guys are asking for in the chat. So no issue with that whatsoever. Just the only thing I'll ask you is to do us a favor by liking the video and subscribing to the YouTube channel. I, I would also add, Greg, I, I just uh, recorded before this, I recorded my uh, lineup generator VOD for week 17. And I did include right at the end, I, I just looked real quickly at a few lineups for tonight's slate. So if, if you want to check that out, that's another place you can see that we covered uh, Lions Cowboys just a little bit. Yeah, and then I'll probably do something for the Sims. How about this? Also, after this ends, I'll I'll run some lineups through the Sims on my own, and then I'll post something to Twitter after this nice. as well. So we'll make sure that we get everything covered for you guys if you're looking for information for tonight's slate as well. But but let's start by looking at this weekend slate, the main slate, week 17, Neil. And we've got a 13-game slate. We haven't seen a 13-game slate in a meaningful time since before teams were on the buys and whatnot. What is the way that you see a lot of your lineups being built for this week if it changes from any other week? I know for me, having run lineups through the Sims both today and yesterday, I'm getting some builds that I didn't really think I was going to. I'll explain more in a second when we start talking about quarterbacks. But for you, Neil, are there any big picture takeaways you have for this late? 
I think I'm going to be concentrated to a few teams. Like there, there are a few teams that are just in great spots on this site or a few game environments that I really like, uh, but I'm going to be mixing and matching. Like there, there are several spots where I like both the run game and the passing game. So like the Eagles, I'm going to have some that are just straight up Jalen Hurts uh, passing attack stacks. And then I'm going to have some um, DeAndre Swift in some of my other lineups. Same thing with the 49ers. I'm going to do some Purdy stacks. Obviously going to have some Christian McCaffrey, some independent of those Purdy stacks. Also going to have some stacks with Purdy, with Christian McCaffrey. It is tough just, just because we do have, and then we, we've got the Rams against the Giants. I feel like that's going to be a great spot for both the passing game and the running game. We have several of those spots on this slate where I feel like, yeah, I kind of want to play the, the quarterback there, but then also the running back is also in a great spot. Uh, and then we, we do have actually a few spots also where it is, you know, pass funnel spots with the uh, Houston, Tennessee game. I feel like I'm going to play those passing attacks, maybe not going to play the running game there as much. So yeah, I'm going to be, I think, concentrated to a few game environments, but not really concentrated within those of like these specific plays I'm playing within those game environments this week. Yeah, so for me, and this could lead right into us talking about the quarterbacks, this is as concentrated as I've been on the stud quarterbacks on any slate for the entire year. And there's certainly some correlation to that with what you just said, Neil, where there's some individual spots you want to focus on. And it does really stand out if you look at the top stacks, which I know is something that you like to look at from our data over at Stochastic. And you'll see like Jalen Hurts, uh, Brock Purdy talking, you know, the Eagles and the 49ers as teams that have really high top stack odds relative to all the other teams that we have on the slate. So I look at the quarterbacks that I've double-digit exposure to, Neil, and there's only four of them across DraftKings and FanDuel. Can you guess who they are? It won't be that hard to figure out if you look at the top stacks tool. And you keep in mind that we're talking about studs on the slate. Only four that I'm really building around. And then there is one cheaper quarterback who I actually am uh, getting to in some lineups as well. But four studs that are making up the majority of my stacks. I want to guess who they are. I mean, definitely Jalen Hurts. Yep. Um, four studs. All right, that's interesting. Uh, I, I'm, Brock Purdy, does he qualify as a stud? I think he has to. He was somebody. I mean, he who, was I mean, the MVP favorite he, until he, last he week. Was, he was like a minus 400 favorite to win the MVP last week. He has a terrible game, and just the market went completely nuts, which there, there is kind of a funny thing that could end up happening from this, and I tweeted about this as well. So we had Jalen Hurts was the MVP favorite. They play the 49ers. The 49ers win. Brock Purdy becomes the MVP favorite. And then what happens? Brock Purdy last week has a bad game against the Ravens. The Ravens win. Lamar Jackson is now the MVP favorite. Do you know who the Ravens are playing this weekend now, Neil? I do. I mean, that should be a fun game. This is one that we were all building for all, all best ball summer. Ravens-Dolphins. I mean, that's a fun game. So Ravens-Dolphins. So, so what happens? If the Dolphins win, I assume the Tua becomes the MVP favorite over right. Lamar Jackson. And then what happens in the final week of the season? It's going to be Bills-Dolphins playing potentially for the AFC East. And so then do we just have this like, transitive MVP handoff because there is a scenario where we go from Jalen Hurts loses to the 49ers Brock Purdy becomes the MVP favorite over Jalen Hurts then you could get Lamar Jackson becomes the MVP favorite after beating the 49ers and Brock Purdy Tua could become the MVP favorite after beating Brock Purdy in the 40 or sorry uh, Tua could become the MVP favorite after beating Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and then the final week of the season if the Bills beat the Dolphins then potentially Josh Allen becomes the betting favorite to an MVP so just like very weird the way that the MVP favorite has been passed off like that but at least as far as this slate goes the point being is like yeah I'm going to include Brock Purdy as a stud at this point I know he sucked last week and he's become like a lightning rod for takes on Twitter in yeah. kind of a weird way because he's clearly been very good this year and at least from a fantasy standpoint like yeah we have to consider him as a stud so yeah Jalen Hurts Brock Purdy or two of them 
I embarrassed myself on Christmas uh, with my brother-in-law telling him because he was saying well, Brock Purdy and he's, you know, probably there are 20 NFL quarterbacks who would be just as good or better than Purdy in that spot. And I was like, no, I, you know, I think that he's actually been pretty good. He's made some really good throws. I think that it's legit. Like he seems to be an actual good quarterback. And then he goes out and throws four interceptions that very same night. So thanks a lot, Brock Purdy. Um, all right. Outside of those two, I'm going to go with uh, Lamar Jackson. Correct. And then the fourth one, uh, again, uh, what qualifies as a stud here? I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford. Patrick Mahomes. The, clearly, okay. I, I think I think should be in the stud category, even if also the Chiefs have been uh, leaving a little bit wanting and had that awful game against the Raiders last week. The Raiders, two defensive touchdowns in a span of like 10 seconds or something like that, back-to-back plays where we saw the Raiders score defensive touchdowns against the Kansas City Chiefs. So, yeah, that's my quarterback exposure, Neil. Primarily Lamar Jackson, Patrick Holmes, Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts. My most rostered quarterback who isn't one of the studs. I'm just under 10% of DraftKings and FanDuel of Tyrod Taylor. And this is one with minimal confidence, Taylor. He also is picking up some ownership from the field. So I'm somewhere around even with him where we've got him projected also for just under 10% ownership here. But the big thing with Tyrod Taylor is just that he has so much rushing upside. He's also relatively cheap. His stacking options also cheap. So it's easy to fit them into lineups as just a value standpoint that he gets studs around them. But I like the studs at QB this week, Neil. How about yourself? Yeah, I like the studs at QB this week too. And and I like all four that you mentioned. They're definitely going to be parts of my approach this weekend. Um, I think I would... I, so this is one that I, I was not like early in the week. My, my cousin brought up the idea of playing Josh Allen. He's playing in some like NFT tournament, whatever. And he put Josh Allen into his lineup. But I was like, I don't really love the matchup with the Patriots. Like, I feel like there's so many good spots here. They don't really need to go to Josh Allen. And he's like, yeah, but they need to win. Like they're going to be, you know, going all out, trying to win this game. And the Patriots are also kind of, I think in tank mode at this point. Uh, And then I look at it this morning. I'm like, oh, the bills actually have a 27 implied total. So now I'm like, he's probably right. I should probably actually like, I want to just write off Josh Allen because all the other studs look so good. They're in such great spots. And I'm like, all right, I just want to throw out the guy who's in, in the bad game environment. But it turns out it's not as bad as I was expecting. And we actually have really nice positive leverage in the top stacks tool. 3.6% ownership going to Josh Allen, 5.3% chance of being the top stack. So I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to go to a little bit of Josh Allen this week as well. I think I'd throw him into, uh, as much as I'd love to just like, we're going to play these studs, throw these ones out. I think that he that it kind of makes sense to me to play some Josh Allen stacks here. So I, I think I'm going to try that here or there. Um, a little bit interesting, Kyler, just because it, same game environment, obviously, as Jalen Hurts and the Eagles have been a little bit of a pass funnel. Uh, I think Kyler, you know, still has still has some talent there. So I, I have some interest. It's an interesting spot. We obviously have uh, you can go just to Trey McBride. Then do we throw in Michael Wilson? Do we want to play any Rondell Moore, Greg Dortch with with Kyler Brown? I don't know, but I think uh, pretty inexpensive pass catching options there with Kyler. So I kind of like the idea of that stack. Um, and then, as I mentioned, I, I think uh, you can play some. Uh, CJ Stroud returning this week against the pass funnel Tennessee defense. I have some interest in, I think that's it for me. Oh, actually one more, uh, Justin Fields. I think Atlanta has been pretty bad against the pass. I think that I will have some exposure to Justin Fields also, uh, but then no other quarterbacks beyond those. And then to add on top of the me, me mostly getting to the stud quarterbacks, I have to say also that of those stud quarterbacks, I've got, I've got Jalen Hurts showing up in about 30% of my lineups on DraftKings and FanDuel. So he's somebody who, and, and also this is something that's echoed in the top stacks tour. If you look at, we've got the Eagles on DraftKings with a 21.1% chance to be the top scoring team of the entire slate, a little bit lower on FanDuel, 14.5%. But still, that is enough for Jalen Hurts to be 
by far my most rostered quarterback of all those studs, showing up in about a third of my lineup. So that's how I'm looking at the QBs this week, looking at a lot of the studs, paying up for some of my stacks. And one of the reasons that's doable, Neil, as we transition to the running backs here, is there are cheap running backs to be interested in. Now, we do have a wrench that was thrown into this because yesterday, when I was building lineups, I'm getting to just all of the CEH. If you guys watched the Sim show that Lofi and I did yesterday, we were getting CEH was popping up in just about everything. Pacheco not expected to play. McKinnon, he's out as well. So it looks like we've got a guy here, and we, we already like Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback. So we like the Chiefs offense, at least our data does. And then CEH kind of falls into that as a piece to get to. But then what happens? CEH is downgraded to questionable yesterday because he is dealing with an illness. So as of right now, he's expected to be chalk. Our data projects him to be good chalk. But Neil, is is he live to actually end up sitting out on Sunday? Or do you think he'll be fine by the time that tomorrow rolls around? I mean, I have no idea. Uh, I'd, I'd say yes, he is he is live to end up sitting. I don't have any uh, better information than than what is public. I will say though, we did just see that the Chiefs just uh, called up practice squad player Keontae Ingram, running back, uh, which maybe makes it seem a little bit more likely that uh, definitely at least we we have to consider that Ceh might miss, and maybe Keontae Ingram is the running back that we'll need for the Chiefs this week. That just happened eight minutes ago. I'm seeing that we had uh, the Chiefs posted that they called up Keontae Ingram from the practice squad. So to me, that uh, maybe makes me lean more towards CEH. Like there's, there's real doubt here like that he, that he might actually sit regardless. We're going to have a cheap running back option from the chiefs in a great spot here, whether it's CEH or Keontae Ingram. Uh, if CEH is in, I think I'm just going to play CEH probably. Uh, but if he's out, we're going to have to consider Keontae Ingram also. Yeah. And that's, I was just looking to, to see what the price point was of Ingram or if he's even in the player pool. So I do see that we have him in the DraftKings player pool priced at 4k now i'm pulling up the FanDuel one to make sure that he is in there as well and he is he's 4200 dollars on FanDuel. so we'll see what ends up happening with ingram and our data and projections will be updated when we have more information we just don't have it right now if you guys are looking to sign up for any package here at stochastic use one of the links we have below and you can sign up if you want to sign up for the lineup generator package that is the most affordable package that we have over at stochastic less than 15 dollars to get access to all of the showdown slates. And then also you're going to be getting main slates in there as well. So going to be really, really useful come playoff time. Going to get lots of slates in there. So you could sign up for that using the link below. Also comes with access to Discord. Or if you want to sign up for one of the stochastic data packages that comes with the contest generator, comes with the Sims tool, you could also sign up for that using the link that we have below. Uh, but Neil, looking at the running backs, and I agree with you, Keontae Ingram, should CEH be rolled out? Like he just kind of to be the guy by default yeah. i assume for the chiefs at 4k on dk 4200 on fanduel he would have to be one of our most rostered players on the entire slate would he not yeah against his bengals defense i mean they've been awful against the run yeah whoever is starting at, at uh running back for the chiefs is going to be interested I, I just saw uh somebody said it's going to be a pass heavy approach for the chiefs so there's going to be nine wide receiver drops yeah so at brad moore that's Probably, probably accurate. They're just going to throw it and drop it all game, uh, but they should probably run it a little bit. And yeah, regardless of who is starting for the Chiefs, they're going to look great. This is as good of a spot as possible. Uh, I would expect them to have a heavy workload and they are cheap. So yeah, whether it's CEH or Keontae Ingram, I think they're, they're going to be a priority tomorrow. Dep obviously depends somewhat on where ownership ends up. Like if we end up having 50% going to Keontae Ingram, then maybe I'll start thinking about uh, the, the fade there. But um, yeah, I think whoever is starting at running back for the Chiefs is going to be cheap and in a great spot. Yeah, so uh, right now, CEH, somebody I get to in a good amount of last. Currently my most rostered running back. I was entering lineups right now, but uh, Keontae Ingram probably takes that mantle. 
should we end up seeing CEH not play tomorrow. But let's talk about now some of the stud running backs, Neil, which obviously is going to include the likes of, of Christian McCaffrey this week, who just has a massive projection for us. We have him projected for 28.23 fantasy points. I think this is maybe there was a Tyree kill week earlier in the year that was kind of close to this, but off the top of my head, like this is the highest I can remember any player that we've had projected this year. So with that being in mind, how much are you going to prioritize getting to Christian McCaffrey this weekend? Yeah, I mean, quite a bit. Uh, I mean, so we, we have him at 30.5% ownership. So I, I say quite a bit and then I'm like, but I'm probably going to be underweight to the field. Like, I don't think I'm going to have 30% Christian McCaffrey uh, just because we do have a number of other running backs that I really like as well. And Christian McCaffrey is 9,600. And, and obviously the Niners can do it through the air. A lot of different ways for them to get there. So really love Christian McCaffrey. Like he it makes sense that he has, you know, as, as you say, like the, maybe the highest projection we've ever seen. Uh, but with that price tag and that ownership, and the fact that it could just be a complete blowout, I think I'll probably end up underweight to 30% ownership. And that's also partially driven by obviously the boom bust rule. We have him optimal 25% of the time. So we have a little bit of negative leverage on Christian McCaffrey. Um, if I have 9,600 left over in a lineup, I'm obviously, I'm not going anywhere else. Like Christian McCaffrey is the number one player I want in my lineups, but he is so expensive that I think I'm probably going to be uh, under underweight to the field just because there are a lot of other players that I think look great on this slate and there's a lot of ownership going there. What, what are you doing McCaffrey? Yeah. So I'm right around, even with the field on McCaffrey, he showed up in 32% of the lineups that I built before the show started here. So, you know, no, no real difference from the field. He also shows up in a lot of my Purdy stacks, which I also don't have an issue with. There's a lot of running backs. Like I probably wouldn't want, you know, like Derek Henry in a Titan stack, but Christian McCaffrey, considering his involvement in the passing game, and that he is certainly somebody who could break off, you know, a 70-yard screen touchdown or something like that. I think that he is viable to stack with Purdy. So I'm around even with the field on Christian McCaffrey. Now, with that said, Neil, there is a pivot that I really do like on the high end as a lower-owned running back who is currently showing up as my fourth most rostered running back. So uh, my, my four running backs that I'm getting to the most of this weekend, at least as of now, CEH, we've talked about that situation, Christian McCaffrey is one of them. Zamir White, who we'll talk more about in a little bit. And then as a contrarian running back, Neil, Saquon Barkley. Barkley is somebody who plays a ton for the Giants. We've seen games where he gets there from a fantasy standpoint by averaging like three yards per carry just because he'll have a game like he did against the Buffalo Bills. Was that like a month and a half ago or something? Just by the way, a game that Tyrod Taylor started at quarterback where we will see Saquon Barkley carry the ball 30 plus times. He gets involvement in the passing game as well. And we've seen that happen with Tyrod Taylor as the QB. So I, I think that Barkley is somebody who's really going overlooked on the slate. He is projected for modest ownership, around 10%. He is going to be expensive. But with that said, I think it's warranted considering the workload that we've seen from another games with Tyrod Taylor starting at QB. So uh, Barkley as a low-owned payup option as a pivot off of McCaffrey. Yeah, that, honestly, that's not where I thought you were going. I thought you were going to bring up uh, Kyron Williams. But yeah, Barkley, we uh, last week, 23 rushing attempts, six targets for Barkley. Uh, decent enough matchup. Like it's not the best matchup in the world against the Rams. The Giants only have an 18.75 implied team total. So that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence, but he, he just gets so much volume and clearly the talent is still there with Saquon Barkley. So yeah, I think that does make some sense as well. Yeah. So uh, Barkley, that is my pivot. If I'm going to be paying up in the high end and getting away from Christian McCaffrey, but how about you? Is it Kyron Williams for you? Or maybe is it nobody on high? Maybe, maybe like the mid range a little bit more. I think it is Kyron Williams for me after Christian McCaffrey. Uh, just he 
Kyron Williams has been so good. He, he gets so much volume, uh, nice spot against the Giants. They might not need to be passing the whole game. So I think it is Kyron as my second favorite payup option. He's also the second most expensive running back on the slate. But we only have 9% ownership going to Kyron, uh, 7% chance being optimal. So we actually have some, some negative leverage there on Kyron, but I still think I'm willing to go there just because of the volume. I think uh, he's shown more talent than I thought he had coming into the year, and the matchup is great for Kyron Williams. So I do think he is my second favorite favorite pay-up option. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Yeah, so for me, it's Barkley. For you, it's going to be Kyron. Both of them relatively contrarian, especially compared to Christian McCaffrey. And once we get into the the mid-range, you know, I think that Zamir White, really hard to not consider him. And he's somebody who, if you remember last year, there was people who prior to the year, considering the draft capital that the Raiders had paid to get Zamir White, there, there was a lot of people in best ball, particularly, who were taking Zamir White at, like, not necessarily the end of the draft, but, like, using actual draft capital on thinking he was going to end up taking over for Jacobs as a starting running back for the Raiders. Now, it didn't happen last year. It hasn't happened this year either. But all of a sudden, now Jacobs banged up towards the tail end of the season, and now Zamir White is in the role that a lot of people thought he was going to have prior to his rookie year. So Zamir White, considering the workload that he got last week against the Chiefs, which maybe could have even been more in hindsight because don't forget the Raiders had two defensive touchdowns, which did keep the offense off the field a little bit. So Zamir White, also somebody who just based on volume, he's going to be popular, not like insanely popular or anything this weekend, but he is a chalkyish option that I think is warranted. Yeah, 5,100, the price is right for Zamir White. I, I'm with you. I think he's going to get a decent amount of ownership. Uh, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, Greg, but Zamir White, his 62 yards after the game was basically wrapped up, knocked me out of the one final I thought I was going to make for best ball. So I kind of hate Zamir White, especially because I was one of the people who drafted a lot of him last year. Also this year, because Josh Jacobs looked like he might be holding out. So I was drafting a lot of Zamir White this year. He didn't do anything for me in, in all those weeks. He didn't really do anything <laughs> until finally I didn't have him on any teams. And then he knocked me out. So I kind of hate Zamir White right now, but I do think I'm with you. I think that he looks like a good play this week at 5,100 against the Colts. They are uh, 24th against the run in terms of DVOA this year. Looks like a great spot for Zamir White. So yeah, uh, lo looks like another one of those cheaper options that you can go to. That, I, just looking at the the all the different various options on the site at various price points, you can see why, why I'm not going to get to a ton of Christian McCaffrey. I'm going to be underweight to the field just because there are so many running backs that I think make a lot of sense on this slate. Uh, Zamir White obviously being one of them. We already talked about the Chiefs running backs, but even like the the true mid-range. So, I, you know, I told you I like McCaffrey. I like Kyron Williams, but even like right behind them, can I really write off Rashad White? He's just been so consistent. You get so much volume. One of those guys who's been great basically every week. Uh, we've got Travis Etienne going up against the Panthers. Like that's about as good of a spot as you can ask for. And he's only at 3.5% ownership. So a lot of interest there. There's just so many good running backs on this slate that it's kind of hard for me to take huge stands on any of them. Like I'm, I'm still probably going to be concentrated to about 10 running backs total, maybe, maybe fewer than 10. So, you know, I'm not like, I'm not going to be really spread out. There's a lot of, like, I'm not going to play. This is one of the rare weeks where I don't think I'm going to play 
the Miami running backs. I think I'm just going to hope that the Baltimore defense can actually stop Miami and play other spots here. But there's a, there's a lot of good running backs on this slate. Yeah, and uh, the one other running back. So for me, I have I do have exposure to a lot of running backs, but the guys that I consider to be like the core guys that I'm getting the most exposure to, CEH, Demir White, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. The final one is flimsier, but I the more I've thought about it, I do think there's a lot of opportunity for Javante Williams to get volume this weekend, Neil, because let's look at what's going on right now with the Broncos. The entire situation with Russell Wilson, total disaster, but he's been, she's not going to be playing QB for them. And now in addition to that, Cortland Sutton's out because of a concussion. Jerry Judy is questionable to play. And I would say that his status is pretty iffy as well. This could be a scenario where they're just like, Hey, Javante Williams, you're just going to touch the ball 30 times this weekend. This could be a spot where, and it could go either way also, where, with them holding out a bunch of guys, maybe they're going to give, you know, like McLaughlin looks at running back. So it's it's solely a GPP play, but that's what we're doing here. We're giving out our favorite GPP plays of the slate in the spot where we're trying to win somebody a million dollars, just like Neil himself. Neil's won a million maker. Neil's won a million dollars. Sometimes you take chances on guys where the floor will, will kind of put it to the side because these are tournaments. We care most about upside. And there is a scenario that I think is realistic where the Broncos look at what's available in their offense and they just say, hey, let's just give the ball to Javante Williams a shit ton this weekend. Yeah, I mean, last week he had 11 carries and three targets, still pretty pretty involved in the offense. It is like, obviously you don't love that they still have McLaughlin and Samaji Pirine involved, but yeah, they, they certainly, in a spot with their passing game basically dead, like why not just hand it to the running backs? Even if they do use all three of them, it could be 20 carries for Javante Williams and still like six for Julio McLaughlin, eight for, you know, whatever. Like, could be a mix where he still gets a lot of carries even with all three running backs involved and they should be able to, uh, do well against this Chargers run defense. So yeah, I think Javante makes some sense. He, he's not even one of them that I was considering. And now I'm like, yeah, that you make a good point. He is somebody that I should probably at least consider having in my player pool at 5,600. Nice price tag there for Javante Williams. Um, I already brought up uh, uh, DeAndre Swift, just talking about like all the games where I'm kind of playing the passing game in some lineups, the running game in some, some lineups. I think uh, in a matchup against the Cardinals, terrible against both the run and the pass. We saw it last year happen frequently where the Eagles would get off to a big lead in the first half. And then the second half, they basically stopped throwing. It hasn't really happened as much this year, but I think that it's still the approach that they would take if they get off to a big lead in the first half. So I do like DeAndre Swift at 6,500 against that Cardinals run defense. Uh, seven, Basically 7% ownership, 7% optimal right now in the boom bust. So it doesn't really stand out as a great pull, uh, but I, I do think it makes some sense there. Um, you know, I, I said, uh, there, there are a lot of running backs that I like, but I feel like we've talked about all of the running backs that I have significant interest in just because I have a lot of interest in, you know, five to 10 running backs. Yeah. And I mean, I really hit on my core guys at running back as well, a wide receiver though, which we're going to hit on next. I, I find it very difficult to be concentrated at wide receiver where we just have so many stud payup options at wide out on this late and guys who, who are benefiting from injuries as well, because We've got Tyree Kill with no Jalen Waddle. He's really expensive. If I'm paying up for only one guy on the slate, if I if I could just choose one, it has to be Christian McCaffrey for me, which is also going to limit some of my ability to pay up for a lot of these stud wide receivers. So there are guys who, starting by talking about the studs here, I have A.J. Brown in just over 20% of lineups, 21%. A lot of that's to do with the amount of Jalen Hurts exposure that I get to. But beyond that, I mean, I've got Tyree Kill, ownership for him in the teams for me, and that's 
really a lot of my wide receiver exposure. It's like, here are quarterbacks that I've rostered. Here are the wide receivers that they get paired with. And then I get to wide receivers. A lot of these guys ownership in like the mid teens. So I'm really spread out at wide receiver, uh, but at the high end, Neil, who is your priority for me? It's AJ Brown, but a lot of it is because of the amount of Jalen hurts. I get to. For me, it is also A.J. Brown, and, and partially for the same reason. I really like that stack against the Cardinals in a lot of lineups with A.J. Brown. I am going to be pairing him with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, it's funny. Tyreek Hill, I've said before that I think I sometimes overvalue matchups, and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to play Tyreek Hill against the Ravens. And then I and then I start watching the game, and it's like, oh, yeah, he's Tyreek Hill. Like, he can do it against literally anybody. So I want to write him off because of the matchup. But as you said, no Jalen Waddle. They're still just such a great offense. Can't completely write off Tyreek Hill uh, basically any week. Um, but I'm with you. Like if, if I'm playing up for just one option, I'm not, I'm not pivoting from Christian McCaffrey to Tyreek Hill. Christian McCaffrey, just uh, similar. Like he's, he's got the talent. He's also got the great matchup this week. So definitely uh, McCaffrey, my, my favorite pay up option overall. Um, AJ Brown, I think will be my highest exposed of the pay up options at wide receiver. Um, still, you know, the Rams guys look right there in about as good of a matchup as you can hope for. Uh, so I do like Cooper cup and Puka Nakua as well. Um, I mentioned that I have uh, in some interest in Josh Allen in those lineups where I'm playing Josh Allen. I'm probably going to be playing Stefan Diggs. Also, that's not as much of a priority to be clear. I, I don't think I'm going to have the same kind of exposure to the Patriots as I do to AJ Brown and Jalen hurts the, the Eagle stacks, but um, a little bit of interest there. Um, yeah. And then, and then of course, like the, the San Francisco guys, I'm going to play. We, we talk we're both playing some pretty lineups. Obviously you can play some Debo, some Ayuk, some, you know, whatever, who, whichever pass catchers you want to put in there with Brock Purdy. So we do have a number of pretty good pay up options, um, but I am with you the, the top priority for me is going to be AJ Brown. Yeah. So for uh, me, yeah, AJ Brown, high end Tyree kill my next favorite option to get to a wide receiver. And, you know, I would like to think like, Oh, I would play a ton of Tyree kill with Jalen Waddle out, but then it's what's the opportunity cost. And once again, I get exposure to him in the teens, Tyree kill. He's projected for ownership in the low teens. So I'm slightly overweight to him. But you just get to a standpoint, too, where it's there, there's so many wide receivers to consider on this. Like we got Christian McCaffrey. They want to play at running back. And it would be, yeah, it would be great if I had, hey, I've got A.J. Brown, Tyree Kill, and uh, Christian McCaffrey all in the same lineup. But we can't do that. There's a salary cap that we have to consider around here. So A.J. Brown, that's going to be my highest priority at wide receiver, followed by Tyree Kill. I'm currently overweight to each of them. And A.J. Brown projected for very low ownership, which I'm kind of surprised by considering the spot that the Eagles offense is in and what we are expecting, at least from an upside standpoint, against the Cardinals this weekend. Any other wide receivers on the high end that you're going to be prioritizing? I think I've mentioned all, I mean, I do want to, I'm just looking at it closer. Uh, I, I mentioned Cup and Nakua, but we have both under 4% ownership, which is really interesting to me against the Giants. I, I've said before on the show that I want to try doing the double stack with Cup and Nakua. And I'm not sure that it's ha that it's hit at all yet this year, but they do. They like still both have so much upside. So I kind of like the idea of trying to force in that double stack with Cup and Nakua in at least a couple lineups uh, to, to see if it can if they can finally both work out maybe get that 100 yard bonus in the same week because they just have such great volume it's a great spot against the giants i might try that one more time the uh, the cup nakua double stack um yeah i mean we we talked about uh the san francisco guys debo whereas Ayuk is down at seven thousand. um it's, it's funny how that the the thinking is kind of flipped it used to be Ayuk for a while was like very clearly better than samuel more involved now it feels like it's flipped a little bit so part of me wants to just be I'm, i'll pay down for uh nine percent owned brandon Ayuk at seven thousand. but i like both debo and Ayuk. can't ask for a better matchup than the commanders um nico collins kind of an interesting pay up to be contrarian against the 
Titans pass funnel defense. Uh, obviously, if you're we have interest in AJ Brown, I have some interest in Devontae Smith. Also, he hasn't been nearly as good when Dallas Goddard is active and Goddard is active this week. So, you know, if you if you want to play into that narrative, maybe you can fade and just go to AJ Brown. But Devontae Smith at three percent ownership against this Arizona defense. I'm going to have some interest there as well. We have positive leverage there. Um I guess Rushy Rice, if you're playing Patrick Mahomes, he's not going to be a huge priority for me, but uh, if I'm playing Patrick Mahomes, I'll probably have some Rushy Rice in there as well. Um, and then, yeah, my, my Justin Fields lineup, I'll have some DJ Moore. Um, don't know that I'll go to. Maybe I'll have a little bit of Calvin Ridley just because it is a nice matchup with Carolina. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think I have that much interest in anybody else. Yeah, so one thing that I want to hit on that you had brought up there, because uh, Brock Purdy, one of my most rostered quarterbacks, I actually do like Brandon Ayuk more than Debo Samuel this weekend. Throughout the year, for me, I generally play Ayuk more in my stacks with Purdy than Debo Samuel, because Debo is somebody who, you know, obviously he can take a short pass and he could bring it to the house for a touchdown. We've seen him break off big plays multiple times, but sometimes he does it by carrying the football as well. We've seen long rushing touchdowns from Debo Samuel, so I do think there's more of a correlation between Ayuk and Purdy than there is between Debo and Purdy. And then also, we could expect more of a target share going to Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk has more of a target upside, whereas the way that Debo gets used, like Debo might get eight touches, but it could be because he gets you know four passing plays, four rushing attempts. So the way that his workload is kind of diversified, I actually don't really view him as much different than like Christian McCaffrey in terms yeah. of correlation with Brock Purdy where I do think of Debo Samuel kind of more as like a running back slash wide receiver than just as a pure wide receiver. So I don't really love him quite as much as Brandon Ayuk as a pass catching option with Brock Purdy. And then as far as some of the other wide receivers that I'm prioritizing, Rashi Rice, just because of my uh, current ownership that I have on Patrick Mahomes, Zay Flowers, he's my favorite stacking option with Lamar Jackson. And then if I'm going on the high, on the low end for a one-off meal, Demario Douglas, I know that the Patriots offense has been absolute dog shit, but when he's healthy, Douglas gets a lot of targets. He's never really priced appropriately for it. And he's projected for some ownership this weekend, but once again, nothing really crazy. And I do think he's one of the better values we have of the slate. Yeah, I noticed he, he was popping for me when I ran the lineup generator, getting to a lot of DeMario Douglas. Also got a little bit of Devontae Parker, which I thought was kind of interesting getting those Patriots receivers this week um, a little bit. Another name that I want to throw out there is Noah Brown. I mean, I just talked about Nico Collins being somebody that I'm interested in paying up to be contrarian for. Um, but Noah Brown, I mean, earlier in the year, he's had some massive games. Uh, I don't know that he's had one with Nico Collins. I think that it was usually with Nico Collins out and Tink Dell in, but I think that he's certainly capable of having big games. And I might be wrong, but maybe, maybe there was one with Nico Collins. But regardless, I think that they are the top two receivers for the Texans here. They're in a great spot against the Titans. We get CJ Stroud back. Now we've got uh, CJ. I mean, you, you have to pay up a little bit for Nico Collins at 7,200. We have Noah Brown at 5,100 and only projected for 2.7% ownership. I think people maybe have kind of forgotten Noah Brown. He's getting lost in the mix a little bit. We have him optimal 7% of the time. So I actually have a lot of interest in Noah Brown in the mid range as well. Um, I don't know that I see any other like major priorities for me. Let me scroll down just a little bit. See that I'm make sure that I'm not missing Demarcus Robinson a little bit interesting. Uh, we 1.9 percent ownership. I think he's still been. Let me just look at his last week real quick. Yeah, still 91 percent rough participation last week for Demarcus Robinson. So I talk about how much interest I have in Cooper Cup Pukunakua. Probably the better approach is uh, you should more often be double stacking one of them with Demarcus Robinson just because he is so much cheaper. Of course, last week 12 targets for Cooper Cup, 
11 for Pukunukua, 6 to Demarcus Robinson. So to be clear, he's not on the level of those guys, uh, but he is 4,600, a little bit of interest there. Uh, I mentioned the the Arizona guys. I, I think I'm going to be taking some shots on primarily Michael Wilson is the, the Arizona receiver that I have the most interest in, but I might take shots here or there on Rondell Moore or Greg Dorch. I'm not I'm not sure that I will, but I might consider them uh, just because I, I really do like that game environment with the the pass funnel Eagles defense. But I think my top priority of those receivers will be Michael Wilson. Um, but yeah, I think that we've basically covered the wide receivers I have the most interest in. We do have uh, an interesting question in the YouTube chat from Copy Paste Dates. He's asking us, hey, Greg and Neil, I have the Sims tool, but he's wondering what percentage of our entries do we hand build versus using some of the data and tools on the site? So for me, uh, I have not hand built a lineup in forever. Uh, it's, I, I mean, I, I I couldn't tell you the exact date the last time I did. So for me personally, and I know that Neil uh, likes to still use uh, stuff like the boom bus tool, but use uh, also uh, optimizer for a lot of your builds, Neil, that's at least my understanding for me. Everything I do is in the Sims tool. That's for NBA, for NFL, for baseball over the summer. I do everything using the Sims tool for me personally. I haven't hand built a lineup since I, I don't know. The first George Washington was an officer. So the since uh, sorry, not George, George first Bush. George Bush was an yeah. officer. It's been it's been a minute for me. So uh, yeah, I use the I use the Sims tool for me. It's simpler. I and it saves me time and it gives me better lineups. But for you, Neil, do you do you ever hand build lineups still? I do actually. Usually if I play a single entry higher stakes lineup, I will hand build okay. it and I'll use the boom bus tool for that. So I'll just like look at what looks good in the boom bus tool, the top stack tool to kind of guide me. I think I, I play enough off the wall players that I, I like to, I, I sometimes use an optimizer. I sometimes use the Sims. Honestly, I think that I probably use more of the tools than anybody at the site, just because I do a mix of just, I'm going to hand build. I'm going to use the boom bust in the top stacks tool when I'm hand building. I do use the Sims pretty frequently. Uh, but then, yeah, as you said, sometimes there are some sites where I'm just like, yeah, I'd rather there are enough plays that I like that are off the wall that are not going to get much exposure that I'd rather just, it's easier for me to build uh, with an optimizer. So I, I honestly take advantage of all of the tools in different ways. I, I'd say I use the Sims probably about 50% of my lineups. Uh, and then, but, but ultimately yeah, I, I hand build probably Mostly just my, like, if I'm playing a, a single entry lineup for $50 or more entry fee, I'm usually hand building. Yeah. And uh, Sean Miller in the chat was saying that he, he finds hand building fun. Hey, I understand some people like it. I don't. It, to me, it's very time consuming. Also, I mean, for like NBA slates, I'm playing 150 max for a lot of days. Like, how am I going to hand build 150 NBA lineups? And like news breaks. I mean, yesterday we, we get news that's breaking, you know, like constantly, like minutes before the game starts. And then the other thing too is like, for me running lineups through the Sims and all that, I've been incredibly profitable this year. So I True. wouldn't really want to change anything with that. I've, I've won a handful of NBA GPPs this year and then football didn't win a million or anything like that, but I certainly did come close over the course of the year. And uh, it helps me build out what I'm going to be giving out later in the day, how you and I always finish this show. Neil, it was our favorite stack of the entire slate, but let's talk about some of the tight ends now. So what we're going to do next is we're going to do tight ends. And then after Neil and I talk about our favorite tight ends, we're going to do our favorite stack of the week. And then we'll look at some lineups for the Saturday night showdown. Cause some people were asking about that, which I totally understand why. So I want to make sure we cover that as well, but tight ends, Neil, what are you prioritizing as far as tight ends are considered? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, Basically, the, the players you'd expect. I think I'm largely paying up at tight end. Travis Kelsey is, is somebody that I, I played a lot of him last week. 
I keep going back there and maybe he is just dust at this point. He keeps letting me down, but uh 15.6% ownership, great spot. I think I'm going to play a good amount of Travis Kelsey. Uh Trey McBride, I think once again probably my favorite or one of my favorite tight ends on the slate, just a great spot uh, as it'll be the the run back in a lot of Eagles lineups. As I said, I have some interest in playing some Kyler. I think that I'll have some just straight up Arizona stacks with Trey McBride and or Michael Wilson. Um, so I do like Trey McBride. I actually have a lot of interest in Dallas Goddard. I mean, we, we talk about those Eagle stacks. Dallas Goddard, only 4,800 uh, also in that great spot with the Cardinals defense. Yep. Uh, we've got some nice positive leverage there on Goddard. Um, I don't know that I'm playing any, maybe it's a mistake that I'm not really considering Trevor Lawrence. Like we, we talked about, uh, not playing there. I'm like, they're playing the, the Panthers in a game that they're going to well, need to win. Out. Oh, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Point. We got a CJ, CJ Bethard at Cuba. Yes. Bethard, Bethard played fairly well when we saw him. It was a Monday night game again. I'm pretty sure Monday night game against the Bengals. It had like a pretty low total. And it was a game where Trevor Lawrence got hurt. That was the game where it took him forever to walk to the locker room because he yep. refused to take the cart. And then it was Bethard versus Jake Browning, which, I mean, who was expecting anything from that? It was like one of the best quarterback plays we've seen in any game of the entire season. So yep. uh, as far as C.J. Bethard, not somebody I'm considering because there's so many good quarterbacks on the slate, but he is somebody who's played serviceably when he stepped in this season. Yeah, it was Good, good reminder. I was, I was thinking, man, I'm kind of liking these, these Jaguars options, uh, but they are, yeah, I'm probably not playing Bethard, and that probably does, makes me a little bit less interested in playing an Evan Ingram or or a Calvin Ridley here. Um, so uh, probably not going there a ton. George Kittle, again, just, I think a lot of the time, we, we talk about this all the time, often I'm pay, pairing my uh, tight end with my quarterback or as a runback, and I think that's going to be the case this week also. Travis Kelsey, I'm playing in a lot of Patrick Mahomes lineups. Uh, Trey McBride, a lot of Jalen Hurts and or, uh, or, or I should say, uh, Kyler Murray lineups. Dallas Goddard, same thing. Um, George Kittle with Brock Purdy. So I think it, it will be a similar thing where I'm just going to be pairing my quarterback with my tight end. Uh, Dalton Schultz, actually, another one that I hadn't really thought about uh, earlier, but now I'm thinking I'm probably going to play some C.J. Stroud lineups against this Titans defense. Dalton Schultz at 4,300, another cheap way to get exposure to that Houston stack. So I do have some interest there. Uh, maybe some Isaiah likely. We, we talk about that. That's a nice game environment for the Ravens. Uh, Miami has been a lot better on defense in recent weeks, specifically pass defense. So it's not a great spot for Isaiah likely, but he's 4,600 and uh, does basically have the, the Mark Andrews role. So I do have some interest in Isaiah likely. I think that's about it for me as far as like the the biggest biggest interest for me. Any but any other tight ends that you really like? Yeah, so for me a tight end, I'm super spread out this week. One thing that's nice is uh, building lineups this morning. I wasn't getting to quite as much Gerald Everett as what we were getting to yesterday when Lafie and I did the Sim show. Uh, so Gerald Everett is somebody who is still in my player pool, but not quite at the same crazy levels yesterday where he was in like nearly half my lineups. Uh, but Gerald Everett is somebody who is at least in play because it seems like Easton stick has some sort of comfort with him, which we see very frequently with inexperienced quarterbacks is they'll dump the ball off to tight ends a lot. They'll dump the ball off to running backs a lot. So Gerald Everett is somebody on the lower end that I do think is viable. And the rest of it is just who correlates with my game stacks or my QBs. So you got somebody like Travis Kelsey, right? I'm getting to a lot of Patrick Holmes. Therefore I'm going to be getting to uh, Travis Kelsey in lineups with Mahomes, like my Mahomes stacks. It's Mahomes, and then the pass catchers are basically either Travis Kelsey or Rashi Rice. I don't get to anybody else from the Chiefs. Uh, Trey McBride, who is getting uh, used as a runback a lot in my Eagles stacks, where I'm getting Trey McBride on the other side of that game. So my exposure to 
Jalen Hurts brings up my exposure to Trey McBride. Same goes for Dallas Goddard as a stacking option with Jalen Hurts. And then George Kittle is in a handful of my lineups that include Brock Purdy. But that's kind of what I'm looking at here. I'm super spread at a tight end. I have exposure to uh, like 14 tight ends right now in wow. the Sims across my lineups. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm fairly spread out. I mean, I think I named all of the tight ends that I have the most interest in, but similar in, in that I think we're playing tight ends that are part of our game stacks, essentially. And we do have a question in here from, where was it? Uh, Marky Music Group. Marky Music Group. So when you say Sims, is that the lineup generator? No, so those are different things. So the lineup generator, which by the way, is still based on simulations, but the lineup generator, so the lineup generator package, you sign up at Stochastic, we've got the lineup generator for less than $15. And that simply builds lineups for you. Now there's other data involved in there as well that you could see. So if you wanted to swap out a player that maybe you don't like as much, you could swap them and you'll see all of our player projections and player ownership. So you could do that as well, where you could sort through the players, see what our projections and ownership projections are. But the lineup generator, completely different than what the Sims are. What the Sims are, which is what Mike has been showing. Well, now the lineup generator is on screen right now. But what Mike has also been showing over the course of the show is our Sims tool, which that is the contest generator, which is going to build you a pool of lineups that's supposed to mimic what the field is expected to do. And those lineups all play against each other. It gets simulated 40,000 times the slate, which Mike now has on screen right here. And that's what the simulation is. It's that contest simulation when all the lineups that are built in the contest generator play against each other 40,000 times. And then from that, we look at the simulated ROI to sort those lines, figure out like, okay, which lines are actually expected to be most profitable. Because if you're building lineups just based on projections and nothing else being considered like ownership or the players who are in that lineup, it's why just fantasy point projections on their own isn't necessarily the best way to build the most profitable lineup. So that's the difference between the Sims and the lineup generator. And it's for different different types of players, right? So for me, I couldn't 150 max and use the lineup generator, for instance. But if you're somebody who's playing, you know, like 10 to 20 lineups, or maybe even just one or two lineups, I think the lineup generator is probably the perfect tool for somebody like that. And once again, there's a link for it below to go and sign up. Neil, anything else you have to add at tight end? If not, we could hit on our favorite stack of the week. Uh, before I just want to answer uh, Augustine's question because he also says using the sim tool for the first time and 150 entry seeing 85 to 90 percent exposure on CEH and Douglas what's the best way to fade some of that when down selecting your favorite 150 mm -hmm. I just use the uh, boost ROI you can you can negatively boost players uh, in that as well so I, I would use the boost ROI and for me I do everything incrementally so I like I'll boost down you know 10% to start I mean it's, it's usually going to be more like 30% if you're getting to that much of a player um, but I, I do it incrementally because like if you're get if you're seeing 85 to 90% exposure to those players they're probably good players so you're going to want to have some exposure to you don't want to get rid of all of that but uh, maybe incrementally negatively boost their ROI until you have the exposures you like and that, that's the same way I do like if there's a player that I like more than what the sims are giving me I'll positively boost them so that is my approach to getting more or less of players in my portfolio yeah and yeah that's the way you a lot of people will go into the contest generator and they'll like take a player out or they'll up to arrow them down. You shouldn't do that. The way you should do it is in the ROI boost. And what you could do is go in and let's see, what was, who is the person who asked the question again? I'm trying to uh, find it. It was, I was just reading it. Uh, Augustine. Okay. 
Yeah, so Augustine. And one thing you could also do is hit me up on Twitter or if you're in Discord, message me on Discord and I can help you with this as well. But go do an ROI boost and you could start by doing like, hey, negative ROI boost, 30%, let's say, of Demario Douglas. And then you want to unfavor your top 150 lineups. You refavor the top 150. Then you can go back and see like, all right, I had maybe like 60% Demario Douglas. Now it's 40%. And if that's still a number you want less of, then do like a more aggressive negative ROI boost for them. So that is what uh, I think is the best way to go about doing it. And then copy paste dates was asking us, how do we know what percentage to ROI boost? Yeah, so it's always going to be different on slate to slate and also sport to sport. So, you know, like if you're doing an ROI boost for a showdown slate where there's just less options, like it's going to be way more dramatic if you do a significant yeah. ROI downgrade boost to somebody. So what percentage? It's it's more like trial and error. And it's also then what your comfort level is because let's say you've built lineups to get to Mario Douglas and like 60% of lineups, maybe in your head, you might just say like, hey, I only want 30% of them. Well, then you could just keep doing incremental negative ROI boost until you get the number you want. There's not like one number that it's like, oh, the proper number to do is 30 or 40%. It's just until you get the percentage of player that you feel comfortable with that you determine that's the amount of it that you want. So. I hope that helps you guys with uh, some of the questions you might have in there. And also, if you haven't done it, do us a favor, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Neil, what's your favorite stack of the week? If you're only building one lineup on a large field tournament or a single entry for week 17, what would be the quarterback and the pass catchers you go with in that lineup? Man, there's so many that I like. All right, let's see. I think I would... I'm just going to go with uh, Purdy to Ayuk and Kittle. Okay. I don't mind that. That's one. I've, I've got double-digit exposure to Purdy, Ayuk, and Kittle, so I have no issue with that whatsoever. Boy, I'm stuck between a couple of these right now. I feel like I, I always uh, – I never choose the obvious one, <laughs> and, and usually you – I mean, sometimes you will choose it, uh, but you've been, you've been so good at just uh, picking different stacks that are not the obvious one. Uh, obviously, the, the first place that I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you choose your stack before we – Yeah, so the one I have the most exposure to – is Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. Like, that's my most rostered stack. But there is a part of me that looks at the outlook of the slate, and I do get a good amount of Patrick Mahomes, and I wonder if people are just going to jump ship here on the Chiefs. If people are just so sour on how shitty this Chiefs team has looked recently, they're going to go, like, yeah, they can't score against the Raiders, they can't score against anybody. So I think this is a good buy-low spot. There's a tremendous amount of variance in football. Things change week to week, and people overreact, especially this year. And it's it's probably been the case all years, although it feels more pronounced this year because there have been more inconsistencies with teams. But it seems like on Twitter, we see like three or four teams get written off as a fraud every single week. Everybody yeah. gets written off constantly as a fraud this year. And it seems like a couple teams that are the trend of that, one of them is the Eagles that people are down on right now. Another one, though, is the Kansas City Chiefs. So they're not projected for a mass amount of ownership, and I think they could come in even lower than that. So Patrick Holmes, Rashi Rice, Travis Kelsey, double stack. All right. I like it. Yeah. I was obviously, I was leaving the Eagles, but I feel like uh, I, I often do that. And then I'm like, why didn't I just pick? Like, that's probably the, the actually the stack that I have the most interest in. It's just like, I, I never want to choose the most obvious stack, uh, which is this week. I'd say it's the Eagles. All right. So let's go ahead now and just look at some of the Saturday night slate. And we have to spend a mass amount of time on this or anything. We're not going to do 30 minutes or anything, but we could just take, you know, 10 minutes to pull up uh, the Sims here and, I'll run some of my computer here as well while we're talking through it. But Mike, do you have Sims built out for this Saturday night game? I was going to run them now. I'll show cool. you. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll run them right on screen. We've got a uh, Saturday That way you night. can see the speed. 
that this actually works in. Yeah, go and uh, do 10,000 lineups, Mike Lawrence. That's not 10,000. Not a big deal, but uh, yeah, build out build out 10,000 lineups for tonight. So we're just getting a bigger sample size of the lineups to look at. And there are, there are a couple of different packages we have on the Sims, and it depends how many lineups you guys play. There's different ones I would recommend for you, but you can either build up to 500 lineups in the Sims, or you can do up to 10,000 lineups. So 500 lineups is the base package. 10,000 lineups is the max package. So if you're somebody 150 enters, I, I think 10,000. The max package is the one for you. But if you're somebody who is playing, you know, like 20 lineups, single entry, stuff like that, then you're good with the 500. So what we're going to look at here is we're going to simulate out the slate and then we'll look at what we're getting to as far as results. Neil, I know you did some content for the Saturday game earlier. Was there anything that you noticed you were getting to the most, at least as far as like the captains were concerned? Because after Mike sims these out here, I think we should sort by just the captains and we'll start, we'll start by seeing which captains we get the most of. Yeah, CD, CD Lamb was my highest exposed player on both DraftKings and FanDuel. Really stands out. And that, that's not a huge surprise. I mean, the obviously the, the Lions defense is a lot worse than the Cowboys defense. CD Lamb, uh, probably clearly one of the best players on the slate. So I was getting to a ton of CD Lamb. Uh, a lot of I was I was surprised by how many times I was getting like three receivers from a team without the quarterback was something that I was getting a lot, uh, primarily the Lions receivers. I was getting a lot of like Sam Laporta with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown and Jamison Williams and and no Jared Goff in those lineups. So that was something that kind of stood out to me that I was getting a lot of uh, kind of unique lineups in that sense. Um, yeah, I'd say those are the biggest things. And uh, one thing that I wanted to touch on, and then I see Mike's got these lineups built out here, is that somebody had asked in the chat, it was uh, Colin Mahone was asking us, what is our favorite run back for chief stacks? None really. I'm my chief stacks don't really have run backs in them, which I'm, I'm fine with, by the way, I don't think I need to force run backs into those lineups. Uh, but let's see if we could pull up on screen, the Sims again, Mike, I want to see which captains we have the most exposure to. So just sort by, yeah, go to position filter, and then you can just put it, put in C for captain. And yeah, or CPT, either that is fine. And you'll see here the players that we're getting to the most of, of exposure at the captain spot. And then over here, we see their projected ownership from the contest generator as well. So four players that were primarily getting exposure to in the captain spot, you know, CD Lamb makes sense. He's going to be the most popular. Amon Ross St. Brown also makes sense. A little bit of popularity. Uh, Dak Prescott, but as a contrarian option, we're also getting to Sam Laporte. So if you guys are building a lineup or you want to be, you know, just going with some of the lineups that are going to be projected for some of the more fantasy points, still positive ROI, but are also going to be a little more popular. It's like CD Lamb and Amon Ross St. Brown, your guys there. What do you think of Sam Laporte as a contrarian captain, considering that we're about double the field to him with that? Yeah, I mean, it makes it, what would he have a three touchdown game like two weeks ago before I think he dotted out last game. Uh, yeah, Sam Laporta makes a lot of sense. Just a guy you could rack up some PPR points, maybe score a touchdown or two. Uh, I like it. If, if he's not going to get a ton of ownership, seems like a nice spot. Yeah, so Sam Laporta is somebody there that we're getting to an underweight to. We are slightly underweight to Dak Prescott, although more or less even with the field. Tony Pollard is one that we have a pretty big underweight stance to. Tony Pollard projected there for 11% ownership, so about half the field there on Tony Pollard. Let's see. Can you keep scrolling down, Mike? I want to see if there's any, like, super contrarian guys there. There is 
Oh, it looks like we do have a, a couple of Deuce Vaughn lineups showed yeah. up there. So if you want to build like a superstars and scrubs lineup, looks like we have a Deuce Vaughn lineup there. And that's probably two Deuce Vaughn lineups for our top 150. So that's the guy who, if you're taking like a punt on somebody who the field is not playing at all, Deuce Vaughn is showing up in some of those lineups. Anything else you're noticing from the captain exposures? If not, maybe we can look at some of the flex. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Deuce Vaughn kind of interest. I, I was noticing that earlier when I was running, I was like, wait, why are we getting to Deuce Vaughn? And then I remembered Rico Dowdle is out this week. So even though Deuce Vaughn has not been involved at all, Rico Dowdle has been, you know, playing, you know, reasonable number of snaps, I guess just 16% last week, but in general, he's been fairly involved for the Cowboys. So who knows? Maybe Deuce Vaughn comes in and plays an actual role, or maybe they just roll with Tony Pollard. Hard to really know what the, the Cowboys are going to do, but I do think Deuce Vaughn is interesting. Um, but yeah, I think we can look at, uh, our exposures to the flex. All right. So let's go ahead and look at the flex spots. And then uh, also we had somebody in the chat. Uh, it was Ryan Rennebaum asked for FanDuel lineups. So while we're doing this, I have FanDuel lineups running on my computer over here. So after we're done talking about DraftKings, I could also give out what some of the FanDuel results are and some of the players I'm getting to most of from a FanDuel standpoint. So don't worry, we'll be hitting on both of those. And yeah, let's go ahead and look now at some of the flex exposures for DK. And yeah, no real surprise. Lots of Dak Prescott. Yeah, our data is really liking Deuce Vaughn as a contrarian option here, Neil. We got to, you know, not it's there was only a couple of lineups with him in the captain spot, but look at this guy only project for what is that 13% ownership? The screen's a little bit blurry looking at it through Zoom, but it looks like that yep. says 13%. And he's in nearly yep. half of our lineups. Deuce Vaughn looks like the contrarian play of the slate for, in our data. Yeah, yeah my, my only concern would be that maybe the ownership comes up. Uh, and, and also there is some possibility that they don't really use him a ton. But with Rico Dowdell, he would make sense as the running back too that the Cowboys go, go to. Uh, they obviously have uh, the the fullback Lupke in there as well. But um, yeah, I think Deuce Vaughn, there, there, I think there's a wide range of outcomes for Deuce Vaughn. I think there's also, it's very difficult to predict uh, ownership to project ownership for a player like Deuce Vaughn, who just he hasn't really been involved. Now he's probably going to play, ha have some involvement. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll see what what it ends up coming in at. But yeah, right now, I mean, he looks great. If, if he's going to come in that low owned, uh, I would I would slam him into my lineups. And let's see if we could keep looking here. We've got as the other priorities in the flex spot: Jared Goff, Sam Laporta, Tony Pollard, Amon Ross, Saint Brown. Can you actually sort to see who we're underweight to, Mike? So go to the leverage column all the way to the right, and let's sort by that and see who do we come in underweight to here in The Sims. We are underweight to David Montgomery. We are uh, – go back to the uh, under-owned. I want to see who – yeah, who are we fading here? So underweight to David Montgomery. See, I'm kind of to an extent part of that is because we're getting overweight to him in the captain spot. So more neutral to CeeDee Lamb. Or underweight to Josh Reynolds, underweight to Jameer Gibbs. So really not liking the Detroit running backs here, which I don't have an issue with. I don't think this is the best game script in the world for the Detroit running backs. I do think this sets up for them to be throwing the ball more. So my preferred way to get exposure to the lines is going to be from Amon Ross St. Brown and Jared Goff, as opposed to the running backs. Negative game scripts. It's also gotten to be fairly hard to discern whether it's going to be Montgomery or Gibbs on any given slate. So uh, for me, at least as far as those running backs are concerned, not ones that I'm really liking as much from the lion side of the game. Uh, by the way, Mike, I've got lineups already built here for FanDuel on my computer, so don't sweat it. I'm just going to read out some of this right now, starting with for Ryan Renabom and everybody else who plays on FanDuel. This is the lineup that I have projected for the best overall ROI 
for FanDuel. It is Dak Prescott in the MVP spot with Sam Laporta, Deuce Vaughn, Tony Pollard, and then CeeDee Lamb in that lineup. So it is a uh, 4-1 Cowboys onslaught stack there. And then if I go ahead and look at some of my MVP exposure for FanDuel, only three guys that I'm getting double-digit exposure to, that is Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Without the salary multiplier on FanDuel, it is much harder to look at it and get to some of those like crazy off-the-wall contrarian plays because somebody like Deuce Vaughn, you know, Neil, like there, there's almost no chance that he's the highest-scoring player in the game. But if you did have to pick somebody who isn't Prescott Lamb or Amon Ross St. Brown for the MVP spot on FanDuel, who is somebody that you think is most live to score the most fantasy points in the game? Or you could opt and say nobody. Um, I mean, Jared Goff is, is the obvious yeah. one outside of those that group. Um, it would, I mean, if, if I'm choosing between that group, it would probably be either Jared Goff or uh, Tony Pollard. Also pretty interesting against this Lions run defense with no Rico Dowdle. I think there is at least some possibility that he gets more work with Rico Dowdle, that they don't trust Deuce Vaughn in the same way that they trust Rico Dowdle as the running back too. So I think Tony Pollard makes sense as a MVP option on FanDuel also. Yeah, and now if we go ahead and look at my lineups, uh, what am I most inclined to go with here? Yeah, for FanDuel, I'm actually a little bit overweight to Sam Laporta, only project for 3% ownership in the MVP spot. So if we're considering game script or we think the Lions are going to have to throw the football a little bit more, then yeah, Sam Laporta, 3% ownership in the MVP spot. That's a way that I could certainly see myself going. And then if I look at some of my flex exposures that I got to here on FanDuel, players I'm getting the most of, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff as the quarterbacks, and then the stud wide receivers as well. Amon Ross, St. Brown, CeeDee Lamb. Really like the, the passing games on both sides of this game. And then, once again, Deuce Vaughn. Only project for 6% ownership on FanDuel, and he ended up in 28.7% of my top lineups. Neil. So Deuce Vaughn yeah. looking like a good contrarian option on both sides as far as who I'm underweight to. Coming in underweight to David Montgomery, Jamison Williams, Jake Ferguson, most notably on FanDuel. Anything else you want to add about the Saturday night slate or maybe anything about the Sunday main slate that maybe we missed on? I think that we covered the Sunday main slate pretty well. Um, I admittedly have not looked extremely closely at the uh, Saturday night slate. I've looked at it a little bit because I ran the, the lineup January briefly. Um, I, I just I want to reiterate that. Uh, I think that we are assuming that Deuce Vaughn is going to step into that Rico Dowdle role, which I think that's fairly likely that they just put him in there. But I, I just want to, I think that there is some possibility that they do just give Tony Pollard all of the run because they haven't been using Deuce Vaughn. They clearly don't trust him in the same way or to the same extent as Rico Dowdle. So I think there's some possibility that it's just Tony Pollard getting like all of the run at running back. So something to consider, maybe, maybe build some with Deuce Vaughn where you're taking a shot on the guy who's, likely going to have a good role, uh, but then maybe consider some lineups that omit him and use Tony Pollard and assume that Pollard is just the guy for Dallas. All right, guys, that is going to do it for us. Thank you very much for watching. If you've not done yet, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Have a great week 17. We're going to have tomorrow night all our NFL content. Right? We've got the NFL deep dive live before locks. we got the three-hour block leading up to the start of the slate. And then, of course, Sunday night, we're going to be having Neil and our old pal Emac doing the NFL showdown live before lock for Sunday night football. So, guys, good luck with your week. Have a great weekend. Happy New Year as well. See you back here next week. Go, birds. <laughs>